Well, good morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Alex Richardson. I'm one of the staff members here at Rich Hill Presbyterian Church. If you have a Bible with you, please turn with me again to the passage that was read earlier, Matthew 9, 35 through to verse 4 of chapter 10. While you're doing that, let me pray for us. Let's pray. Father, we really do need your help as we come to your word. We ask that you would not leave us to our own devices, to ourselves, but that you would speak to us by your spirit and through us and through your word. Father, would you glorify your son, Jesus Christ, in our lives. Spirit, would you stir our affections and our emotions so that we might go understanding who you are and the need to proclaim the gospel to this world. Help us as we come to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Over 200 years ago, Adoniram and Anne Judson boarded a ship They set sail for Burma, modern-day Myanmar. They were missionaries who left the United States to go to unreached people. And Adoniram wrote a letter to Anne's dad to request permission for him to marry his father's daughter. I want to read an extract from that letter. And I want you to imagine this, especially those of you who are dads with daughters, getting this letter from a potential son-in-law. It's going to be up on the screen. Oh. <laughs> it's not O Church Arise. If we can get on the screen. If not, I can read it. Nope. The church is still arising. <laughs> let, me, uh, let me read it to you. I have now to ask whether you can consent to depart with your daughter early next spring to see her no more in this world, whether you can consent to her departure and her subjection to the hardships and sufferings of missionary life, whether you can consent to her danger to the ocean, to the fatal influence of the southern climate of India, to every kind of want and distress, degradation, insults, persecution, and perhaps a violent death. Can you consent to all of this? For the sake of him who left his heavenly home and died for her and for you. For the sake of perishing immortal souls. For the sake of the glory of God. Can you consent to all this in the hope of soon meeting your daughter in the world of glory? With the crown of righteousness brightened with the exclamation of praise, which shall resound to her Savior through heathens saved through her means from eternal woe and despair. Can you consent to this? What would you say? Anne's dad said yes. The couple were married. A year later, they left. 
and Anne's dad would never see his daughter again. She would lose her life sharing the gospel. Yet through her work and Adoniram's work, there are over four million Christians in Myanmar, Buddhist Burma this day. I don't know anyone who has written that kind of letter. It seems very strange to us, certainly to me. But this is very normal in light of the text we are looking at today. Over the last six months, we have seen the authority of Jesus in his preaching and teaching, Matthew 5 to 7, and in his healing, Matthew 8 to 9. And I hope you have been encouraged as we've thought about this king and his authority over all things. I hope your heart has been lifted to see how awesome Jesus is. And I hope your trust in him has deepened. But we would miss the point if we thought that this was only good news for us. This is good news for the world. We're surrounded by a world of evil and sickness, trials and suffering, natural disasters, sin and death. And it is good news to say to people in Rich Hill and across the world that the king has come. And he has authority over all things. And one day he will assert his full and final authority over all things. And we know that because he did it. He, he died on the cross for our sins and he rose three days later to defeat death. And the aim is not just to celebrate this good news. As good as that is when we, when we gather on Sunday, when we, when we sing, when we pray, when we partake in communion. The aim is to spread good news from this room to Rich Hill, from Rich Hill to the ends of the earth. But as we do that, we need to realize that just as Jesus faced opposition in his ministry, just as his disciples received the same treatment, so we will face opposition. And so there is a cost to proclaiming the good news. And the question that is going to be asked over the next number of weeks is, are we willing to risk it? Are we willing to risk our safety and security in this world to spread the gospel from Rich Hill to the ends of the earth? Because that is what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And to answer that question, Matthew this morning is going to help us see why we should spread this good news as we think about the condition of the lost and how we should spread this good news as he commissions us to pray, to go and do it in his authority. Is the PowerPoint? No, no worries. You'll just have to listen to me. Let's think firstly about the condition of the lost. We're going to start in verse 35, which is a summary of Matthew 5 to 9. We'll read a few verses and then we'll we'll pause along the way and draw some points out. So verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless 
like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So verse 35, it's a summary of everything we've read in five to nine. And then in verse 36, we get this portrait of Jesus. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So here in verse 36, we see the condition of the lost, the condition of those who need to hear the good news of the kingdom. What compels the compassion of Jesus? Well, notice the first thing, the size. He saw the crowds Probably 200 cities and villages, 3 million people in Galilee at this point. When Jesus saw the crowds, he literally felt agony. He had compassion on them. It's not just an emotional agony here, it's a physical one. It's like seeing the person you love the most in this world in deep pain in your heart. It just wants to burst for them. That's what's going on here. He had compassion on them for they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Shepherdless sheep. Wandering without spiritual leaders. Remember these Jewish people, they were meant to have spiritual leaders guiding them. But they don't. Shepherdless sheep. And this is a picture of a world in sin. And that's not just true for the first century, that's true for the 21st century. A world in sin running after the pleasures of this world thinking this possession, this person, this activity, this relationship, this or that is going to satisfy. Shepherdless sheep running from one thing to the next thinking it will satisfy. Dead end after dead end after dead end. Roads of sex, roads of money, roads of power running hard after these things, and they ultimately come up empty. And it leads to suffering, not having biblical direction, pursuing everything else but Christ. That's the design of the the evil one, to entice us with that which leaves us empty. That's what it means to suffer. Jesus has compassion on on the crowds because they are buying it. They are buying this way of living. See their size, feel their suffering. And then Jesus, he changes the metaphor and he says, the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. When Jesus uses this word, this language of harvest, We need to remember that when the Bible talks about harvest, it's often referring to judgment. We don't have time to examine these passages, but Isaiah 17, 10 to 11. Yet the harvest will flee away in a day of grief and incurable pain. Joel talks about bringing the nations to where God will sit and judge them. Put in the sickle because the harvest is ripe. Go and tread for the winepress is full. The vats overflow for their their evil is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. Joel is saying here that there are a multitude of people in the valley waiting for the Lord of the harvest to judge them. 
their eternity in his hands. Matthew 13 is the same where Jesus describes ultimate judgment in harvest language. The same language used in Revelation 14, 14 to 20. When Jesus saw the crowds, he knew that there wasn't just temporary sickness. He knew that there wasn't just temporary pain. He knew that there wasn't just temporary hurt. He knew there was ultimate judgment and separation from God because he knew that if these people didn't hear and receive the good news of the kingdom, then they would be separated from God the Father. This compelled compassion in Jesus. And so how much more for a crowd of people in this room full of men and women who have this same Christ in us to see the crowds, not just 200 cities with 3 million people, but 7 billion people, 7 billion people. You may know this already, but at best, one-third of this population is Christian. Most likely that's not accurate, but let's say it were. That still leaves over four and a half billion people who are without Christ facing separation from God. If only we could grasp that. We know that, that, that only God can grasp that, but just think about it. See their size. Feel their suffering. Realize their separation. This is the condition of the lost. And so we need to go. Do I wonder, do we, do we realize the gravity of what we're talking about? Far more important than, than sports, than money, than power, career, success. There are people around us today and every day who need this good news. And it's urgent, isn't it? Harvest time. There's urgency with harvest time. When it's harvest, you, go, you get, get up early, go to bed late, get up early, go to bed late, get up early, go to bed late. You work, you toil. Urgency. We don't have time to, to, to play games. We don't have time to play games in church. There's no time for coasting. This is a real harvest field. To waste our lives would be to pursue everything else but Christ, to confess him as Lord, but to not pursue him. We're called to go. See their size, feel their suffering, realize their separation. And it's in light of this that Jesus calls his disciples to respond. And it leads us to the commission of Christ, what he calls us to do. Let's continue reading. Verse 38. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the 12 apostles are these. First, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, 
Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. What does Jesus tell us to do? Well, first, Jesus beckons us to pray. We see that in verse 38. Jesus doesn't say, here's the need, look at the harvest, now go. We're going to get there in a minute. But he says, here's the need, look at the harvest, now pray. Ask God to send out workers, to send them out into his harvest field. I wonder, is this what we pray for one another? Growth group members, when it comes to prayer time after being equipped from studying the Bible together, is this what you pray for, for yourself, for those you study with, that you would go back into normal spheres of life to share the gospel? Do you pray that the word that you've gathered around and meditated upon would also be the word that you proclaim to those who need it? Do we wake up in the morning praying, Father, grant me opportunities today to share the gospel. Give me the words to say to those who need it. At our prayer meetings, does evangelism, does mission, does reaching the unreached drive our prayers? Parents, what do you want for your children? What do you pray for your children? What do you desire more than anything for your children? Maybe to have good Christian friends and a positive influence. That's a great desire. There's nothing wrong with that desire. The Bible tells us that we need Christian community. The Lord in his grace has given us one another to encourage each other to faithful kingdom living. But part of that faithful kingdom living is going and spreading, proclaiming the gospel. And so parents, I want to encourage you not just to pray for Christian friends, but that your son, your daughter might be used in school, sports teams, whatever, wherever, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who don't know it. that we would not judge or, or, or think of people as a negative influence, a bad person, but as someone made in the image of God who needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. But you know, I'm, I'm really thankful that, that Ryan Turner, the guy who led me to Jesus, didn't think that I was a bad influence. His parents didn't think that I was a bad influence. Maybe they did, but they didn't tell me that. But I'm thankful that his parents, they, they brought me into their home. I'm thankful for the opportunities we had to share the gospel, for how they so clearly loved me. They bought me a Bible. They led me to the Lord. They let Ryan spend time with me so that I might know the gospel of Jesus Christ. Parents, do you pray that for your children? Do you pray for your spouse? Spouses, do we, do, we, do we pray this for one another, that we would be faithful in the workplace, that we would use our opportunities with loved ones, with friends, children, young people? Do you pray this for your parents? Do you pray that mommy or daddy would be a faithful witness? 
Do you know, boys and girls, mom and dad need your help as well. They, they need the help of the Lord. They need your help in praying for them. Those of us who are leaders, are we praying enough for this church that we would go, the people will be sent to share the gospel? Those of us who are involved in youth ministries, do we pray for our young people? Do we see sheep without shepherds? Are we bringing them before the good shepherd? Asking that the Lord would save them. Asking that we would be faithful in declaring the message that they need to hear. Not just internally in Rich Hill locally, but, but as we think about further afield, do we pray for our mission partners? Not just here on a Sunday. Throughout the week, are we praying for Sasko and Anya, for Trevor Watson, for our partnerships in Romania? Are we praying for us individually that we might go, that we might have our affections and our desires stirred up, that the Lord would send us just like Adoniram and Ann Judson? Is this what we pray for one another? See their size, feel their suffering, realize their separation, and pray. What is the next thing that Jesus calls us to do here? Well, he says, go to great need. We see this in Matthew 10 when Jesus gives his disciples authority. We'll get to the authority part in a moment, but he gives them authority to go to the, dis- the diseased, to go to the sick, to go to the, di- the, the dying. Jesus is saying to us, we need to go to the people that the world oppresses. We need to go to the people that the world hates. We need to go to the people that the world grinds down. Don't go to people it's easy to go to. Go to hard places. Don't go to small need. Go to great need. And when we go, what are we to do? Well, we're to be his messengers. We read that he made his disciples apostles. That word apostles simply means here a representative. Someone sent out one who is an official representative of the master. He sends them out on an evangelistic tour tour as his official representatives. And he calls us to do the same. It's not enough to go to great need and just be the hands and feet of Jesus, as important as that is. The world needs to hear the message that God has placed in his children. That Jesus lived a perfect life, that Jesus is king, that Jesus has authority over all things, that Jesus died on a Roman cross, that he rose three days later from the dead. One day he is coming back to judge the living and the dead, where one day there will be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more death. This message is a message of truth. It is good It is necessary, it must be taken to the world, and it is our responsibility. It's not just our responsibility to pray for the spread of the gospel. It's not just our responsibility to give money to the spread of the gospel. It's our responsibility to be individually 
involved. And so I guess that the question that I ask you is I've asked myself all week, how are you doing? Are you going to great need? Are you individually involved? See their size, feel their suffering, realize their separation, pray, and go to great need. Finally, we're to do this in his authority. The Lord Jesus does not intend for for these apostles, these ones sent out, he does not intend for them to do ministry in their own power. We we see that in verse 1 where Jesus gives them his authority. His authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. The Lord Jesus equips them with spiritual power for these great feats. And this reminds us that all work, all work done for him is not done in our own strength, in our own power, but in his power, by the power of Christ. And that means if we're going to pray, if we're going to go, if we're going to share, we need to be dependent upon the Lord. Our best strategizing, our brightest minds, our best plans, they will not bring success in and of themselves. We need to come before the Lord in prayerful dependence. It's his grace that accomplishes its goal. It's his gospel is the power on the salvation, not our designs. And isn't that true? It's precisely when we are most weak, when we are most aware of our own limitations, that we are most useful to the Lord. Why? Because a vessel which is broken, and that's aware of it, is ready to be used by the almighty hand of God, to be used for things that you couldn't even imagine you could be used for. This morning, you may be looking across this room, you may see someone, you may think they're so gifted, they're gifted in multiple areas. You may be thinking to yourself, I could not do what she does, I could not do what he does. He's so gifted, she's so gifted. You may be thinking to yourself, I look at my one tiny little gift. What can I do for the kingdom? But your limitations are not the limit of what God can do through you. If we would only be aware of our weakness and dependent upon his strength, then you can be used in mighty ways for the sake of his kingdom. See their size, feel their suffering, realize their separation, pray, go to great need, and do it in his authority. I wonder how you feel about this calling. Maybe for some of you, as we have thought about the condition of the lost, Maybe you realize this morning that that is you. Maybe you you realize and you have realized for some time that you have been a sheep without a shepherd, that you have been chasing the things of this world for satisfaction. Maybe for some time you've realized that those things, they don't really satisfy they ultimately come up empty. 
And maybe for some time you have been longing for more. Well, this morning I want to encourage you to come to the Good Shepherd. To come to the one who laid down his life for you. So that you can know true joy, true peace, and true love. That's far greater than anything this world has to offer. Maybe for, for some of us, we know the shepherd, but we've been wandering from him. And maybe we've been growing comfortable. Maybe it scares us to risk our security and our safety in this world for the spread of the gospel. And maybe we confess Christ with our lips, but we're not actually pursuing him. I want to encourage you to run to the good shepherd again, to meditate on what he has done for you at the cross, to ask your father to stir up your affections and your desires, to fall in love again with what Jesus has done for you, and to ask for help in going and spreading this good news. Not all of us are called to be like Anne and Adoniram Judson. Not all of us will die on the mission field sharing the gospel. But as followers of Jesus, all of us are called to die to self and live for Christ. May the Lord help us to do that. See their size, feel their suffering, Realize their separation. Pray, go to great need, and do it in his authority. Let's pray together.